Well, why don't you clap your hands to Jesus right now? Can you do that? Let him know how much you love him, Jesus. We praise you. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Amen. It's so good to be with you. And I, I remember flying into New York for my first time. It's been a while. And how many's ever flown into New York? Anybody ever flown in New York City? If you're like me, you wanted that window seat. You wanted to see everything. Being from a little town called Arkadelphia, Arkansas, the tallest thing we had was a deer stand in the town. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm okay with that, by the way. Uh, thank you so much. There's that water, that pesky water. Um, I flew into New York. You can be seated this morning. Thanks for standing. But I flew into New York, and I was anxious to see, and the person beside me was getting kind of uncomfortable because I didn't have that window seat. I was kind of leaning over them a little bit. And finally they said, would you like to trade seats? And I said, well, what do you mean? Why, why would you ask that? Yes, I would like to trade seats. And so I traded and I, I looked and I thought about it. I thought, you know what? That person's, they, they mentioned they were from here. They were coming home. They're used to coming in to New York City and seeing the sights. They're, they're used to it. it. It's something that's common to them. And I'm afraid sometimes being church goers, we're used to the presence of God. And so it's almost as if we tell a guest, you want a, you want a better seat, I'm used to this. I'm, I'm used to experiencing what I'm experiencing. I'm hoping that's not the case in our lives this morning especially. I hope that we're anxious to see what God has for us. Amen? Now I know it's, it's really this morning to all of our bodies, it's 945 right now. How many is feeling that right now? Anybody feeling that? Now, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm aware of that. Um, one reason because I'm aware here. Another reason is because you're making me aware of it this morning. Um, um, <laughs> some are offended and some are not. And um, I'm, I'm partly having fun. I'm partly being really serious. Um, but um, but let's, let's all enjoy the fact that we get to come in and freely worship the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I mean, I'm thankful for um, the opportunity to be here, and, and I, I am so thankful for your pastor and his wife and his family. I, I, I know that this is, um, pastoring is a, is a whole new thing these days, and, um, and I know there are times where I carry my family's burdens. Um, pastoring our church, I carry the burdens of what we are dealing with, but what's amazing is I also carry the burdens of our church, and I carry those things. There's times I try to clock out, and I try to push them away so I can enjoy uh, things with my family and so on, but I, I have no choice. I carry the burden of, of, of our people and what they're dealing with, and I pray daily for our people, and I know he does as well, and his wife does as well, and so you're blessed to have a great pastor and a great pastor's wife. Amen? Amen. You're blessed. Yes, that's, I think you can clap there. Man, then I, I quickly, um, um, I, I've come to realize real quick that you have a great youth pastor and youth pastor's wife as well. And I don't, yes, yes. I don't say that just to throw it out there. I just, I, I say that because you can tell that it's nice to have someone that cares. Let me tell you something about ministry. Ministry is, is different than, um, you know, you can have managers at work and managers of corporations and so on, managers that, that do different things and, and, um, in the corporate world. And, and leadership in, is different. Pastoral leadership is very, very different. Um, th there's a difference between those things. You see managers and so on, they do, the, they, they, they do things right, so to speak. They check the right box. They make sure things are done correctly. They make sure the flow is right. They make sure communication is right. 
Pastoral leadership is not always done right, but it's, it, it's not about that. It's doing the right things. And so sometimes it might look different to some. It might look a little bit backwards to some, but it's doing the right things in the right moments with the right people and allowing God to move. Amen? And so I, I appreciate because I'm, 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 it's obvious I'm in the presence of people that do the right things. And so we thank you uh, so much for trusting and um, um, allowing great couples to lead this great church. And so, if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me? Uh, we're going to go to uh, First Chronicles, and we're going to read in chapter 11. First Chronicles chapter 11, and um, I, I will, uh, like I said, I'll honor your time this morning. First Chronicles chapter 11, and if it's your custom to stand, you can definitely stand this morning. Um, um, Let's look at this scripture together. The Bible says, First uh, Chronicles chapter 11, reading in verse 21. Reading in verse 21. I do want to say thank you to the sound team and the computer media team and all those great guys. Um, and and you got, there's extra work put in. And uh, yeah. Let me just say that this didn't all just happen this morning. There's been people that have been here since early this morning. And um, lots of prep and lots of things that have gone in. So let them know how much you appreciate them. Um, First Chronicles chapter 11, the Bible says, Of the three, he was more honorable than the two, for he was their captain. Howbeit he attained not to the first three. Benai, the son of Jehoiada, excuse me, the son of a valiant man of Kabzil, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. Also he went down and slew a lion in a pit uh, in a snowy day. And he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high, and in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam, and he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. Verse 24 finally says, These things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and had the name among the three mighties. I'm going to speak to you just simply on this topic of killing lions on snowy days. Killing lions on snowy days. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Can you do that with me? Let's just kind of push through the, 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 the kind of the fatigue and let's ask God to touch. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you, God, and we don't want to miss an opportunity, God. We pray you'd speak to your people today. We pray that your, your word would, Lord, do a work in our hearts. Your word is anointed, God, but I pray you anoint our ears and our spirits, Lord, to receive your word. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. And we ask you, Lord, right now to move in a mighty way. In a mighty way, in Jesus' name we ask it. And everybody said amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time before you're seated this morning and let them know how much you love them. Just, just simply say it. I love you. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. And, um, and I, I um, as I said, so thankful. But I do want to say one last thing that I'm thankful for these great young people. It's been so cool to see so many young people involved in so many great areas you are blessed you are blessed you are blessed and so good job there's there's not one young person here that hasn't been involved in some area of the service so that's just that's awesome but here's the thing the bible is full of these these things that would call types or symbols um types and symbols things that we that were that, that happened things that were um accurately um uh, they took place. The Bible historically is accurate in those areas. But however, they will not happen the same way to us. Um, it's not going to be the same way. It's, there, there are things we can find through these, though, 
that apply to our life. That's where we find these types or symbols. And so just like we find that um, um, uh, Enoch, his name, and in the Old Testament, of course, there was such great meaning of these names, but Enoch walked with God, uh, meaning that he literally walked with God. And so we find find here that there's meaning in names, there's meaning in these types or symbols, there's all these things, and so young people, when you read your Bible, you're thinking, man, this is never going to happen to me, no, it's not ever going to happen to you the way that it happened to them, but it will happen to you, and there are things you have to do and have to apply to your life through those types or symbols, we have to experience those in our own way, is that okay? Everybody with me? So we have here, we have here our character, our, our, our um, and I don't mean that lightly, we have our man, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And we have this understanding now in the Bible that he was a, a, um, a group or, or, or in the, um, um, the, the beginning, the, the group of David's army, and he was a leader of the platoons or the different units. And so there was two different groups. There was a group of the three, and there was a group of 30. These men came together, and they would sit, and they would kind of plan out. The 30 was the joint chiefs of staff, so to, we, so to, so to speak. They would come in and help, and then... The 30 were men that grew up, that, that were in the military, and they, they, they grew from acts they did. They grew from being noble. They grew from having great performance, so to speak. And so out of this group, of these platoons, they would have leaders rise up. And the Bible tells us that, that Benai, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Kabzil. He was a guy that was just like everybody else. But because of his acts, he rose to become something that he was not before. Let me just tell you real fast that there are opportunities in your life for you to overcome things that will grow you spiritually in the things of God. But you must overcome those. You must defeat those things. The mentality of this 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 day in our world is somebody defeat it for me. I don't want to do that. Somebody come take care of this for me. I don't want to deal with that. No. There's still something about just getting up and straightening up your back and sticking your chest out and saying, God, it's not easy, but I'm going to keep on going. It's not simple, but I'm going to keep on going. Not everything's coming my way, but that doesn't mean it can't come tomorrow. I will work this out. So, we find here out of the group of the 30 is where our man Benai the son of Jehoiada comes from. He comes from that group. And so the scripture tells us that he did many acts. Can we have those scriptures one more time? If you don't mind, um, we'll start in the beginning. And, and we're going to read these together, and we're going to kind of take these apart. And I'm gonna, I got the clock there. It's way, way wrong, but I got a sense of where we are. And so um, the new one's on the way, by the way. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> of the three, he was more honorable than the two, for he was their captain. How be it attained not to the first three? He was, he was, he didn't quite get to that first three. There was a, how in the world did that not happen? Is what he's saying. And so we go on in the next scripture, verse twenty-two. But I, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzil, who had done many acts. Okay, here we go. Here's the first one that we that we we have here. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. And so, so he, he, he deals with this, this, this here. He's through two lines like men of Moab. And let's just stay there for a moment. Now, now, now when, the, when the, the Bible or when, when this text was kind of translated, um, um, they, they didn't quite understand the word Ariel. The word Ariel is the same word for lion. And so they didn't quite understand it. So they just took and said, you know what, this must mean lion um, um, or lion-like. And so this is not meaning that at all. This actually, after much um, uh, kind of understanding as days went on, they understood that that actually meant platoons or units. So he's, what he's saying is he slew two whole units or two whole platoons 
of the Moabite army that came after him. Now, there's much, much uh, meaning in this beyond what we're just reading. But we can find this as we look in kind of the history of what Moab is. When, when Lot was fleeing from Sodom, he sired two children from his own daughters. He sired, he sired these two children out of, a, out of a drunken stupor. He was in this dark point of his life. He made this terrible, terrible sin decision, so to speak. And out of these dark moments of sin, oftentimes are born uh, um, consequences that we don't really want to deal with, but they're real and they're there. And so out of this, he hears this this moment where Lot makes a mistake and he has one child named Amon and the other one's name is Moab. So Moab, now hear me now, hear me real closely here. Moab was related to Israel. Moab was kin to Israel. Moab was family to Israel. But Moab was born out of a dark moment in Israel's history. Moab was kind of like the broke cousin that comes kind of to say, I'm going to be there for a day or two. And then after three weeks, you can't get rid of them. They come and they eat your food. They eat your peanut butter. I don't know why I said peanut butter. I hate peanut butter. But they eat all your things. They don't help around the house. They don't bathe that well and you're like please get out of here as fast as you can baby you tell him I ain't telling him but your cousin you might know what I'm talking about I know but I can't tell him like this well if you don't tell him I'm telling him it's either them or me <laughs> oh lord I just drew a line but that's what Moab, Moab, they literally would wake up every day and, and, and there was a line, a border. And so Moab would wake up and, and they would throw things to Israel and we, we don't like you. And Israel would throw things back and, well, we don't like you either. You came from a dark moment in our, in our past. The fact is they could not get rid of each other though because they had blood running through their veins that was the same. They had this thing. So you have Israel and you have Moab. You have Israel and you have Moab. Let me just help you understand real fast. Moab is always paralleled to something you and I. I have and so also is Israel when we when we live this life and go through life doing the things we've done and we have all these things that we deal with our flesh is constantly drawn to the things of the world well Moab is always something that's parallel to being our flesh the fact is we can't do without it it's there we can't live without it it's there temptations come to our flesh and we deal with them that's our Moab Moab I don't like this but I've got Moab I can't go anywhere without Moab I can't do anything without Moab. Moab is there, but once you come into the church and you come down on an apostolic altar and you repent of your sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, now something is birthed up in you that is different. It's Israel. Israel births in you something brand new. And I hearken under that, or I give myself to that. Yes, I've got Moab, but you don't understand what I've got in me now. Now something's been brought up in me and the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. I've got something inside of me that's bigger, that's stronger, that's more incredible than anything you could possibly understand. I have the things of God in my life. So I've got Israel. Everybody say Israel. So he defeated what? His flesh. The first thing he did is he let us know that you can defeat your flesh. It can look strong. It can look mighty. You can look outnumbered. It seems as if you can never get over your past. It seems as if you can never break that addiction. The addictions sometimes look like they're big and bad. Addictions sometimes look like they could take you down. But but we find here that Benaiah dealt with this very thing. When they came and they said, we're coming after you, Benaiah. He said, I've got to deal with this right now. I can't wait. I've got to deal with this this very day and he defeated his flesh 
the number one thing that people have to do when they come into the church. You got to defeat the, the, the things that you have desires of in your flesh because you can't have Moab and Israel. They don't, they don't work together that well. Yes, yes, you have to understand. That's why Paul said, I die daily. Why? Because Moab tries to rise up in me, but I want to live in Israel. Moab tries to take advantage of my life, but I want Israel in my life. I've got to defeat my flesh so I could walk in the Spirit. Is that all right? So the second thing. Everybody say the second thing. You guys are with it now. Here we go. It's like finally church time. So everybody's like waking up. Let's get going now. I like what we're doing. Also, the Bible says, he went down and slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. We're going to come to that third, okay? So let's go to verse 23. And he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high. In the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. And he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. So what was, what was the first thing? What was the first thing we have, right? Our, thank you so much, our flesh. Our flesh. Everybody's like, she said it. She did it right. These girls, these girls are so funny. Like, oh. <laughs> I'm just picking on you guys because they're they're good team players. Our flesh. So the second thing, the second thing, that we're, well, the third thing we're talking about. Second, is an Egyptian, 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 a man of great stature, five cubits high. The Bible tells us this man was a giant. This man was a a warrior, and and he's on a battlefield again. Benaya, this 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 soldier that that is out there just doing the things, fighting for the Lord. And all of a sudden, this, this Egyptian comes out, and he has this almost telephone pole type thing he's about to fight with. And, and the Bible tells us that he slew him. Now, we, can, we know kind of what, what's happening here. When Jesus was taken uh, to the, kind of to the, to the hillside, and, and, and he was, he was kind of told that if you bow and worship me, what was he tell, what, what, who was telling him that? Exactly right. Satan was saying, if you'll bow and worship me, I'll give you all of these things. Well, what was he looking at? He was looking at Egypt because Egypt always is, is the, the, the parallel in the word of God of something that is our worldly desires. The thing, if you have someone that says, I want to live for God, but I don't want to give up these things, well, that's Egypt. They're dealing with Egypt in their life. They're dealing with the lust of their flesh and also the lust of material things and desiring the world more than they want the things of God. And so just like we've got to defeat our flesh, we've got to defeat this desire for all these things in the world. That's why all these publications are out there. That's why media tries to hit you head on. They try to uh, court these things in front of you and say, they're great. This is what you want. This is what you desire. These things leave you only wanting more, but broken and without anything whatsoever. They leave you with great debt. They leave you with nothing at all. They leave you trying to figure out how I can make things work. All these things, and Lucifer was saying, I'll give you these things if you bow and worship me because he had dominion over the world. He, he controlled those things. But, but we understand through this, Benaiah defeated his flesh, but he didn't stop at his flesh. It wasn't enough just to stop at his flesh and live in the world. He said, also, I can defeat what looks to be mighty, what looks to be great, what looks to be strong. I can defeat that as well. And the scripture says, he went down and he plucked out the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and he killed him with his own spear. You have to also kill off the desires of the world in your life. Why is that? Because when we, we talked about the other night, but when, but when uh, um, we find where your eyes are, there's your heart. There, there are the things. So when Jesus came to Simon Peter and said, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, well, if you love me, then feed my sheep or take care of my people. 
What he was saying was, it was, if you love me, your eyes, your focus will be on me, but you're so focused on everybody else, you can't even follow me. You don't even know what's going on. So you say, I, 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 love, I love you, Jesus, and I love, I love the things you've done for me, but my, all my attention's here. Everything I have, all my effort's going here. All my money is going here. All my finances, everything's here. All of everything I've got is going here. What Jesus would ask, do you love me more than these? What, what are these? Everything else. Got uncomfortable there when I talked about money. Still very uncomfortable. All right. Just kidding. All right, y'all. Stay with me here, all right? Let's go back one more time here real fast. Verse 22. Now, the third thing. The third, we're going to talk about this just for a moment. The, the, the second thing that we're talking about third, obviously. He slew two lions like Minamovica here. Also, he went down and slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. Now, you know, notice something with me. He, he fought, on an average, a lion, nine feet, nine inches, standing on its hind, on its hind legs. Um, the king of the beast, uh, my, my daughter was doing a project, kind of, we had to compare tigers and lions, and I wish I had all these things in my head. I don't have them like I need to, but it was amazing looking at the difference. There's very small differences, but in the end, a lion is... is um, the, the, the ferocious one. They call it the king of the jungle, the king of the beasts. And so we find here also he went down into a lion in a pit in a snowy day. Now, notice with me though, he, he was fighting the worst possible foe in the worst possible place under the worst possible circumstances. There's a lot going on here. I remember when I went to, I was again from a little town in Arkadelphia, called Arkadelphia, Arkansas, and I went to Indiana for school. And I'd been to Indiana some, but not often. I mean, not, not you know, been there where I lived there and so we would we would you know get dressed up to go play in the snow we didn't have much snow we had every once in a while a little bit of snow but I remember my first year where the big snow came and we lived in these little like apartment things across from the school and one day I was running a little late like all students at Bible college do by the way and um, and I jumped up and threw on some wrinkled pants a wrinkled shirt wrinkled tie the wrinkled shoe I mean everything was just like we didn't know what an iron was and so I jumped up and I hurried out the door and, and all of this white stuff was on the ground, kind of like we're, you know, it's threatening us a little bit today, but nothing. Uh, we were just kind of packed in that day and the sidewalks were already kind of set up and I'd, I'd go barreling out that front door and my feet hit that sidewalk. The night before it was fine. The night before, I promise you, I could walk on it just fine, but my dress shoes and the snow did not cooperate together and I went kind of flying in one of those moments. You, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody's kind of dealt with this. <laughs> A little bit. We have this horseshoe set apartments, and everybody's looking out the window, maybe, and kind of just, you know, people that were looking. There I am. So I didn't know what else to do. I'm laying on my back. I'm aching and I'm hurting, and I'm trying not to get people laughing at me. I guess I'm a little self-conscious, and I just start doing a little snow angel right there, and just kind of thought, <laughs> they're like, hey, that little Arkansas boy, and yeah, played it off, man. That little Arkansas boy likes his snow, and I'm like, yes, I do. Oh God, help me right now. And so I was calling all angels down to help me. Um, I mean, there's, let me tell you, there's no, there's no traction in the snow. It's not, it's not what you want to deal with a lion in. You don't want to do that. But notice what he did, though, is he went in a pit. This says a lot to me. It tells me a lot about what's happened because here's the deal. Let me just help you understand. Everyone here has a lion. Everyone has a lion. 
I don't care what your lion is, you have a lion. Your lion might be a, a fear of, a, of a, a disease in the bloodline that you hope it never comes to you. Your fear might be the fact that your kids walked away from God and you're praying, God, please, but the devil keeps telling you they're not coming back. Your fear might be all these different things, but we know what the lion is. The lion, the Bible says, the devil's like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he what? Why do we pass up and, and throw that word may under the bus like it's not there as in what you're going to give permission to? When we speak this, we put an emphasis on the lion, but we forget about that you hold the power in the word may. He's simply a walking about seeking whom he may. Whoever's going to finally say, I give up, come on in and affect me. Whoever says, I, I'm tired of this, come on in and do something about my life. You have the power in the word may. So everyone has a line. Come in real fast. Just, just come here real quick. Here's the deal. Everyone has a line. I mean, here's the thing about the lion. The lion stays close enough, but yet far away. Why? There's a reason for it. The lion is, is big, and it's ugly, and it stinks, and all these things. <laughs> Making sure mom and dad were okay back there. Um, they're like, yeah, say it. Say it one more time. Uh, um, the, lion, the lion has this bad aroma. Is this good? Anything else you need me to talk about? Lion needs to save more money. Is that what you talked about? Um, I'm just joking. Lion stays close enough but far away. It's kind of a fixed distance. So it always, when, when Beniah would walk about, this is your cue to kind of follow me a little bit, but keep a distance. When the lion would walk about, the, uh, um, when Beniah would walk about, the lion was always there. And so it was always like he's going to do these things and he'd look in the distance and he'd see the lion there. And the lion would stop and he'd go and do his thing. And, and then he'd look back and see that he's, he's still there. So he, he allowed him to live his life, but yet kept in his mind enough so that he knew if you ever let your guard down, I'm coming for you. It was long, far enough, if, I, I know you're there, but just let me live my life. Some of us have lived this way for years. You've come into church, you've walked in, your, in, in, in the house of God, and you said, I've got it under control, but you know, when you leave this place, there's a lion sitting at the doorstep, gonna tell you all the way home, it's never gonna work out. You're never gonna make it out. You're never gonna be healed. Your mom and dad's never coming to church. Nothing's ever gonna be good for you. And you've dealt with a lion just enough just enough that you're about tired of it the bible says Benaiah said I am going to do something about this I'll meet you in a pit why because I'm going to a place where someone's going to come out one's going to die and one's coming out but nothing's going to go on the same I want to defeat the lion in my life We've made too many deals with the devil. We've had too many moments where we've said, God, I trust you. Why? Because there's a big enough distance between me and the devil. And I'm able to live my life, but yet not really feel the effects of him. Here's what the devil wants to do. He wants to make you scared of the pit moment in your life. So you finally say, I can't do this so many people that have walked away from God not because the lion ever touched them but because they gave up because they could not handle the fact they had to defeat it seeking whom he may devour seeking whom he may devour who finally says please What's the deal? I read in this, in this, in this uh, book the other day you can be seated just for a moment I read in this book of my daughters the other day and it blew my mind 
that, that, uh, um, that and I, I kind of got to research it real quick. Um, um, there was a there was a, 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 a moment where they said that, hunt, uh, that that lions are hunters and they like to sneak up on the back of the prey. They like to, they they stalk them in that in that area. So I read up on that a little bit and there was actually a a man overseas I forget exactly maybe Switzerland or something that began to actually brand and actually sell um, this concept of of drawing eyeballs on the backside of a cow. And when they did this, they drew eyeballs on the backside of these cows as they would go and they would, they would, the herd would kind of find themselves um, 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 on the backside of the hill. And these, these, these lions in this African area, whatever, they were trying their best to figure out how to, how to keep their herd because that was their finances. But they didn't want to kill the lions because they also, at this point, there's only like, I forget, some crazy number of lions left. So they were trying their best to save both animals and not do this. So what was the idea in Africa's where it was we're going to put eyeballs on the back and they found out when lions came close and they made eye contact either the front or on the eyeballs they painted on or put on lions would recede back because they don't like to go at something head on they don't like to walk onto something head on that's the whole deal you see something with me real fast is that the bible says he's like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour but if you ever turn and face the lion in your life if you ever turn and face your feet if you ever look and say, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I can't keep on this way. There's a very good chance scientifically and by the word of God, you'll find that running the other way because it wants nothing to do with a child of God. There's been two. We have... We have too many, and I'm going to talk to the young people for a moment. We have too many young people that you're you're told, like we said the other night, be individuals, but yet be like everybody else. Be individuals to do all these other things. But we have too many young people that are simply spending too much time on Instagram and Facebook and comparing themselves to all these things that are facades and all these things that aren't real. It took that person 20 takes to finally get a good picture. And you're comparing yourself to what took all that time. And you're starting to kind of dwindle down the things that God said you're good. God said you're great. God God said you're created to worship me. But in your mind, you're not good enough. And then all of a sudden, the devil shows up and says you can't. And you kind of just shy away from it. Why? Because you're not good enough. I'm hoping you understand with me right now that there's nothing that can stop a child of God if you make up in your mind today is the day. Today is the day. I'm, I'm a little worked up today. I, I'm, I'm a little bit charged up because I'm tired of seeing good apostolic people, good God-loving people walk in and kind of just live life with, with, the, with the attachment of an enemy that's there and kind of making deals with it. You let me live my life and I'll let you have this. You let me worship today and I'll go back home in, in fear. It's okay, just give me Sunday or just give me Wednesday night. No, I'm at a point in my life where I've got to get through it. My, 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 my three-year-old boy, he's almost three, from day one, I actually about six months into into after he was born, we started dealing with this 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 respiratory condition he has, and his lungs fill up with the fluid and literally would choke him. His oxygen level got so dangerous one time that we literally almost lost him. And we we, we spent uh, a fourteen or fifteen days in the hospital a year ago this month. My wife was there over Easter, and and, and we were dealing with all of this stuff, and it's just been ongoing. And I remember one time, I remember we went to the doctor one day, and they did some blood work. And they and they 
they, they checked for a few different things and the nurse called and said, we, wanted, we, wanted, we need to talk to you guys. And my wife called me and said, you better get here quick. And I left work and I hurried over there. And I, on the way, I said, babe, what is it? She said, just get here. And I said, you tell me right now. I've got to know because I could tell there was fear in her voice. And she said, they tested for a few different things and there was a few things, but the nurse wanted to let me know right there face to face. She said, we are testing and there's a very strong chance we're dealing with leukemia in your two-year-old baby. And, and at the time, one and a half, but so on. And, and I I said, oh, I, I, I'll be right there. And I remember walking in, and I took that baby boy, and I held him. And in that waiting room, people were looking at me weird. The people were staring at me, and I didn't care. I said, God, in Jesus' name right now, this is our baby. You've given us this baby, and we rebuke every, every, every tactic of the enemy. And you've come against me, and you've come against my wife, but you're not going to touch our kids in Jesus' name. And they did that blood work, and they said it would be two or three days. Now, now, two or three days means there's going to be a lion walking around me. And I've got to go through church on Sunday. And I've got to walk in and preach to our people about a healing God. But I don't know what's going on with my boy. And I just didn't like it. So I, I said, God, make it happen sooner. And, and, and my wife was there. And here's another story. My in-laws were there. I don't know why they're always with us. I don't know. They're always there. Just remember, they were there. They were there. They're always there. I need to talk to them about that. It's me or them, baby. <laughs> no, no, no. What does Shane say? Nah, nah. Or Shane? Nay, nay. <laughs> nay, nay, devil. Uh, I, I, I remember leaving there. My wife and my in-laws, they were all going to go grab some food. And I, I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I, and we were about two miles from the church. And I went to the church. And in our church, we have brown carpet like this. And and there's a spot where when I go pray, I just kind of walk and I just kind of back, go back and forth. Sometimes I'm quiet. Sometimes I'm just walking. Sometimes I just simply walk back and forth and whatever. It's just kind of my lane that I walk for whatever reason. And I remember standing there saying, God, in Jesus' name, God, I'm asking. I didn't really have much to pray. I just kept on saying, in Jesus' name, God. And I was there for probably 45 minutes or an hour or so, and then I left, and I, I turned left out of our drive for our church. I turned left on 71, the highway right there, and I pulled to a light, and my phone rings, and, and I said, hello. They said, is this the father of Indy Price? I said, yes, it is. And they said, they said uh, um, we have some, some, some kind of some test results we want to give you. And I said, hang on a second. You mean the test results we took like two hours ago, three hours ago, whatever it was? And, and it was just a, a short time, really. It wasn't long at all. And... and and so uh, we had been at the hospital a little bit talking to a doctor after, so it was about two and a half hours or whatever. But, but um, uh, she said, yeah, actually we were able to get them in quick and get some results back. And I said, so, so you're telling me these are the results that you also included leukemia as one of the things you're looking for? She said, yes. I said, okay, well, go ahead. What, what are they? And she said, we just want to let you know that, that, I mean, we don't know how else to say it. We're kind of shocked because we did three or four blood tests and, and we, we, we saw all these things. But his numbers are better than we've ever seen. His, his numbers are, his blood count of, of this and that and the white and the red and all these things, everything's fine. His iron's fine. The things they were looking at as being scary, they were all fine. They said they're, they're better than they've ever been. And I just sat on the other side and just kind of couldn't even hardly talk in the moment. She said, Mr. Price, I said, ma'am, well, you're telling me one more time that this is, she said, yes, Mr. Price, I'm telling you, something has happened. I said, I know exactly what's happened. Thank you so much for letting me know. I'm telling you right now. 
If you'll look at the enemy eye to eye and say, this is, in not, this is not gonna happen. This is not taking place. I'm not letting this take place in my life. I'm not going down the road of depression. I'm not going down the road of fear. I'm not going down the road of discouragement. I'm not letting this happen. Something is changing today. It may not be the best time. It may not be the best place, but something's gonna happen today. In Jesus' Something is going to happen. So, so I'm hurrying to a close here. I'm trying my best to get there. But listen to me right now. There's no understanding as to how or why all these things happen except when you dig a little deeper and you look at something. And, and I want you to see this with me real fast. Musicians, you can come if you like and get ready. But, but, but we never ever, if we, if we take this name, I mentioned earlier, Methu, uh, um, Enoch, his name meant uh, that, that he walked with God. Methuselah, his name actually meant when he dies, it will come. We can go out through the Word of God in the Old Testament, especially, and find all these names that have great meaning. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was only separated a couple of times in the Bible. Usually his name is always mentioned with his father's name. So that gives you some indication there's something there that we need to look at. And so if we take the names in chronological order, meaning Jehoiada first, Benaiah second, his father's name first, we find kind of the equation for why these things happen, I believe, what took place. So everybody say Jehoiada. Jehoiada had this, this meaning to his name, his father's name. His father's name had, had, had a great meaning. It simply meant this, Yahweh or God builds. So let's look at what we're talking about. We're talking about a young man that came from being just an average Joe to kind of growing and being becoming something great in this text, and 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 a kind of a becoming something that was that was seen as this valiant man of Kabzil. And and how did he get there? He got there because every trial was God building him. Every trial, every situation. Every, every moment. So, so we don't find that when he was fighting the lion, he didn't push like a secret button and a, and, a, and, a, and a sword popped out or a gun popped out and all of a sudden he was able to take the lion down. No, he was able to have this because he knew every time he heard the Moabites call him, every time he heard the Egyptians call him, every time somebody said, hey, you're going with that, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, he knew that God was building me. God is building me to become something great. God is building me up to become something worthy. God is building me. So every trial I face, every situation I have, God, you just build me up. Just build me up, God. It may not make sense to me, but it's never easy when I become to grow and I, and I, I, I grow in you. It's never easy. I just have to know right now that you're doing something great in my life. So God, build me. God, build me. I say that God builds. Young people, listen to me right now. You're going to have, you're going to have fears, and you're going to have uh, failures, and you're going to have moments where life it, uh, comes against you. And let me just help you understand right now. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that is too great for our God. Nothing too big for God. You just don't ever, ever, ever forget that God builds. God builds. God builds. Mom and dad, God builds. I don't care what the doctor said. God builds. I don't care what the what what was told by this or that one. God builds. So now we got the second, his, his name, Benaiah's name, the man of the hour. We have his name. I know I talked about this a little bit on Friday night, but I, I feel it this morning. Not only does God build, but, but Benaiah, his name means this, that God knows. God knows. So every time he dealt with something, whatever it was, the two whole platoons of the Moab army, God knows, God builds.
God knows and God builds. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, God knows, God builds. The Egyptian Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, I'm taking you. God knows and God builds. Why would he walk away if God knows about it and God's building him up? Why would he step away from it if God knows about it and God's building him up? This is just another opportunity for me to face whatever I have to face and let the Lord know and let everybody else know that I will not walk away from my flesh. I'll not walk away from the world of my life and I will not walk away from the things of the, of the enemy, the devil. I will stand and I will fight because God knows and God builds. All those things come from his name, but there's something greater that you have to understand today. There's something that you have to understand. Uh, my name's simply, don't make fun of me, it's Paul Marvin Price. <laughs> I used to hate my name. Then I realized I was named after both my grandfathers, and they're great men, so I, I, I thank God for my name. And you know what? It does something to me. When I think about my name, I had one that started multiple churches, another one that went in, in the south started multiple churches. My grandfather was so broke, he was picking cotton, starting two churches, and he, they, they called him the cotton-picking preacher. That was his name. Back in the 70s, he had a church of about 400 people in Pine Bluff, Arkansas area. And the church just was a rocking church. When they would sing, the whole place would just sing this perfect harmony. And I got, I got some old videos of it. It was just amazing. Or, or some, some recordings that was passed down. And it's amazing to hear it. But I had that name. But that name is great. But it doesn't do anything when I'm dealing with my enemy. It just is, is a good name. But there's something that changed in my life when I was baptized in the precious name of Jesus. Johnny James said I took on the name. The Bible says what Johnny James said. Now I'm Johnny James Jesus. And I just, I like to think about that at times. No longer, when the enemy comes at me, it doesn't think, well, there's Paul Price. No, it thinks about there's Paul Price, Jesus. There's another name on, on him. When we baptized that man in my church, I briefly spoke about the other night. We baptized a man that had all this sin in his life, that had all this mess in his life. There's things I've never told anybody that he's told me about things that happened in his life. But when he went down in a new name, in the name of Jesus, when he, be, when he came up as a new creature, he, he went down and buried that old man. And all those things that expected him to come out the same, all those things that had hold on him, those chains were thrown on the ground. And when he came out, when he came out of that water, all of a sudden, the lion had to walk away. Why? Because there's a new name on his life. And just like Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, had power in his name, you and I must know one thing, that our flesh must fall at the name of Jesus. The world cannot stand when it's, when it's against the name of Jesus. But most importantly, the Bible says the devil will flee at the mention of his name. I have a new name that's been given to me. I want you just to simply mention the name of Jesus right now. Would you do that? Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you stand all across this place? I know this is youth week, but I just feel it this morning. I don't care what you've come in with. I don't care. I don't care what the situation is. I don't. I don't. I don't care, Mom, if you've dealt with it, with this this struggle for 50 years, and I don't care, Dad, if you've had this regret for for however long. Or young people, you've been dealing with whatever. I, I don't care. Maybe you've come in and you said, "I can't. I can't seem to break through." Well, maybe you need to come down and deal with something. Let me just tell you real fast, though. You'll never have a better moment than this 
Benaiah did it on a day when the snow was falling. Benaiah did it on a day when he was in a pit. Benaiah fought a terrible, terrible foe in the worst possible place under the worst possible circumstances. There's never a better time than this moment. It's just sometimes you just got to do it. You just got to go and fight it. Sometimes you got to say, well, I got a headache. It's okay. I'm going to fight it today. I'm tired. I'm weary. It's okay. You got to fight it today. You got to deal with it today. It's got to happen today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we're about to sing a song here. We're about to turn this place, this whole church, into an altar. But I wish every person that's good that has a has a need, or you're dealing with a lion in your life, I wish you'd step out from where you are and come down to this altar and say, God, I give it to you. I place this in your hands. I will not be defeated. I will not, I will not be told the lie that I am weaker, but I am stronger and I am greater, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God, in your name, in your name, God, in Jesus' name, lions will be defeated today, flesh will be defeated today, Egypt will be defeated today, God, we trust you, Jesus, we trust you, Jesus, yes, God.